Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. I am so thrilled and jazzed to have such an extraordinary woman on our show for the hour today. Meet Maggie Ortley. Did I get it right? You did. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Maggie Ortlieb is a force for change. A very young woman decided to start her own magazine. It is a huge hit. It's Veg Out Magazine. And today we're going to learn the secret to her success. How it is that this young woman just woke up one day and said, I'm going to start a magazine. And now she is uh, just absolutely changing the game. Maggie, give us the backstory. How did you get inspired to start Veg Out Magazine? Yeah. So um, thank you for the kind words. It has been a crazy ride and a good one. Um, It's been an evolution these past about six years now. We started as a city guide for vegan restaurants in Los Angeles. And then we now have expanded to a nationwide media company, which encompasses a print magazine. We're distributed in stores across the country. Um, We have our website with daily content, and then we have social media profiles um, for cities across the U.S. to help people in all different cities find vegan options. And we've since expanded our content to lifestyle. We do celeb interviews. We do uh, food products um, that you can buy at the store. And then we do restaurant content still as well. But Um, I really started it on my own as an Instagram page and a small blog while I was at my uh, full-time accounting job. And then I have since, you know, gotten a team around me. I have some writers, I have some designers, sales team, and we're now a full-blown media company, as you said. And it has really just evolved and continues to grow. Um, And uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I I didn't really say I want to have a company. I just had the mission and the passion behind it, and it really evolved into a company. But it started as a passion project, for sure. Now, you have some major stars, Daniela Monet and uh, DeAndre Jordan, a an LA Laker who's vegan, who started his own vegan cooking show, Mm -hmm. a man close to my heart. Um, How do you get these major celebrities uh, to agree to a cover story on Veg Out magazine? Yeah, it it varies. We work with a lot of publicists and a lot of PR agencies. um, And typically every celebrity has a publicist. So if we can't reach out to the celebrity directly, We'll reach out to their publicist or their manager um, and just agree upon, you know, an interview. And it seems like we, we do get no's once in a while from some people, but it seems like the people who are really passionate about the cause are more than happy, super excited to participate in an interview and a cover shoot or an inside the magazine shoot, um, which is the really cool part because 
you know, in regular magazines or fashion magazines, they work with a lot of celebrities, but there's not really the passion and the mission behind it. It's just fun being on set with um, some of these athletes and celebrities and hearing their favorite vegan restaurants and, you know, why they went vegan and just kind of getting inside their head and, and learning about their lifestyle. So how did you grow your subscriber base and how much is digital and how much is print and how much is a combination? Because we know that this is what media is dealing with, uh, print media, whether it's the New York Times or uh, any, any publication, so much is going digital. There's got to be this sort of balance of like, well, what do we do for an actual physical copy? What do we do for digital? Where is that going? Give us a sense of the landscape. Yeah, it's interesting because we started as purely digital and then we launched our print magazine two years ago. And when we launched, we had a separate Los Angeles magazine and a separate New York magazine. And then we made the decision to combine into one nationwide publication. And it's funny because at the time people are like, is anyone really doing print anymore? All the print magazines are going to strictly digital. Um, And there still are print magazines, but Yes, it's less popular. There are fewer pages than they used to be, mostly advertisements. Um, but I knew that with you know a cause like veganism, I wanted something in print so that we can reach a different demographic. We can reach more people who aren't necessarily on social media online. It further um, you know legitimized us. It gave us those credentials of okay, they are an authority. They you know do have a voice. And um, it allowed us to get into stores like Whole Foods and Sprouts and Barnes and Noble and Target across the country. So people who might not even be thinking about veganism um, or know what that means are just browsing and at the checkout line, they see veg out and they see, you know, DeAndre Jordan or just a tasty looking burger on the cover um, and they might flip through it. And that's the great thing about our magazine is it doesn't scream vegan, but you just flip through it. It looks amazing. There's, you know, cool people, great looking food. Um, And so I just wanted another way to get it in front of people. And so that's why I decided to do print. And now um, we distribute around 11,000 copies through newsstands. So, um, you know, all the stores across the country. And then we distribute to our subscribers as well. And most people who sign up actually choose the print and digital, which is, which is um, nice. And I was actually surprised. I thought a lot of people would opt for digital. Um, but we do, you know, we do sell digital subscriptions. And then our online content, which is separate from the magazine, We publish articles, um, you know, three or four articles a day. And there was a time earlier this year, actually, where I started thinking about the future of the company, if we should cut print out because that's such a big cost to produce a magazine. Um, But I'm really glad I didn't do that because it does help with, um, you know, marketing, but also just uh, the business in general. I mean, people like to advertise in a print magazine. They like to be in front of people when they're out and about in the real world instead of just online. So I am so impressed by what you've accomplished Uh, running a news organization myself. I know that there are so many facets and the idea that you're on top of all that, doing a print version and distributing it to stores, uh, it blows my mind. Now there's other aspects 
of running a magazine that are so crucial, the photography, the writing. Tell us about your team and how you get these great photos, because I know one photo shoot with a celebrity like an L.A. Laker or a movie star can be super expensive, super time consuming. Uh, Tell us about that aspect. Yeah, I'm super lucky because I have the most amazing creative team in the world. And um, I'm actually, you know, my background is in creative advertising. So I'm definitely more of a creative than necessarily like a business person on the finance side or something like that. So I have a really good time helping with the photo shoots. And that's kind of where my passion lies. And so the DeAndre shoot, for example, um, my creative directors, Joel and Kim, who are based in L.A., we just got together and we decided, okay, we want this to be something cool and unique. We went with a retro um, venue that we chose and scoped. We brought in the different elements. Uh, Wilson basketball sent us a ball to shoot. We brought in the props and we just kind of did it from scratch. And what's really cool is seeing that all come together. And then we brought in DeAndre stylist, Courtney um, and his team to help out as well. But you're right, just a photo shoot alone, just one component of the magazine is so much time and money and energy devoted to that. Um, and then when you have to shoot, we, we luckily have you know some photos submitted to us, so it's not all our original content we use from different photographers as well. But when you have to shoot multiple features and you have to write you know 30 articles or whatever it is per issue, it gets to be a lot of time and it's a big undertaking, but I have a great team. um, And we're at the point where we're just, it's just kind of, we're in a good flow and good rhythm. And so it gets easier and it gets, um, it gets better and better each issue, which is great. Now, uh, where do you see the vegan movement? Because you've got a great perch. You get to see all these products. Obviously, people are sending you products saying, hey, do a feature story on this product. I mean, we get it, but I'm sure you get it in spades. So just the other day, somebody was actually a neighbor who gave me a vegan cookie dough and he's not vegan himself, but he said, I tried this and it was so fantastic and I love it and I want you to have it. And it was darn good. Um, where do you see vegan products in terms of, let's put it in the context of five years ago, 10 years ago, and where it's going to go five years from now? Yeah, it's interesting because when I went vegan 10 years ago, uh, the products as far as substitutes for cheese and, and meat and those types of things, milk, very, very few. I think it was Tofuti, Daya came about a few years after I went vegan. Um, but some of the brands we have today are just in the technology. It's just improved so much and so fast and some of the products coming out taste so much like the real you know the real thing that it just blows my mind and sometimes I even am like is this is this real like I you know is this impossible me or whatever it may be I was actually just in New York at plant-based world expo a few weeks ago and so I got to sample a lot of the new products that haven't released yet um new new brands that are launching in the U.S. from Europe and other countries uh you know Asia And um, some of the stuff coming out just blows my mind. I will say vegan chicken products are really hot right now. That's what everyone's rolling out. Um, But I think the trend is going to, we kind of saw this, you know, um, these processed vegan products. And I think those are going to help grow the movement as far as Beyond Meat, Impossible Meat. Um, They're in, you know, fast food restaurants. They're everywhere now. But then now the trend I feel like is we're seeing 
the less processed packaged foods come out. And a lot of these European countries, just their ingredient lists are a lot cleaner, um, which I like to see. I think that's great. You know, the healthier we can be, the better. Um, but regardless, definitely just the taste and the texture of, you can get anything vegan now. You can get chicken, you can get, um, I had some vegan fish from Omni Foods, which they're releasing next year. Um, fish filet and there's, you know, salmon and they make just about any type of meat, fish, dairy product that anyone could ever, you know, want. Um, and they're tasting pretty darn close to the real thing. So, yeah. Um, so let me ask you this question. Um, when you're deciding what kind of, uh, story you want to put on your cover, what is the criteria that goes into making that decision? Do you just hear about, wow, oh, an L.A. Laker is vegan. I didn't know that. Well, let's do a story on him. I mean, that seems like pretty simple. But is there a more sophisticated kind of uh, calculation that goes into that? Yeah, it's really um, we're really in tune with what our audience is interested in and current events and what's relatable and relevant. And so when we're choosing celebrities specifically, we want, and it was funny because DeAndre actually was still, he was still in New York and he hadn't announced that he was coming to the Lakers when we shot, um, when we did the photo shoot. And so it was just a really great chance that he came and played for the Lakers, like right after we did that and released magazine. But we, we like to go with people who, you know, are very relevant, who are aligned as far as, um, their, their views go and just people who are great ambassadors for our brand as well, um, as well as veganism. And then we also just, we, I don't like, cause you know, I feel like veganism can be very, um, it can be, it can be kind of like old school. I don't know how to put it, but it can be kind of old school. Like what we were used to, you know, when I first went vegan 10 years ago and you're used to seeing the same things and same things. And I really want to bring this kind of like, cool, edgy, um, pop culture into the movement. And so we want to choose people who are also just very like, I guess the best way to put it is cool, just cool people. And so we, we go for that. Um, and then as, as far as restaurants, same thing, like people who are really restaurant, um, owners who are really making change and people who are good ambassadors and leaders, we really want to like, um, boost them up and, and highlight them. Wow, you have accomplished so much. It's absolutely incredible. Um, again, I want to go back to where we are with the products because let's face it, it really boils down. Everything boils down to what people buy or they order at a restaurant. It's two things. Well, three things. What do they grow? If people are growing things in their own home, which a lot of people are. I just went to a... Uh, dinner and somebody said they the salad that they offered they grew it in their backyard. Oh wow! And they weren't in the country; they live in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's what people grow. It's what people buy at a supermarket, and it's um, or order online, and it's what people order at a restaurant. I mean, these are the three key things that determine um, what's going to happen with uh, the vegan movement. And by extension, with all the things that are connected to that, human health, the climate, uh, climate change, uh, of course, 
what happens to animals. I mean, those decisions are so important and they don't require the government. They don't require anything but people making smart choices. Where do you think um, we are in terms of the development of products that give people a full panoply of choices where they don't feel they're making a sacrifice to choose something that's entirely plant-based? Yeah, I feel, yeah, exactly. People have the power to vote with their dollar um, and what they consume every day. Uh, So that's super powerful. And I feel like we have the products out there that taste just as good or pretty much exactly the same when prepared correctly. Um, It's just a matter, the two obstacles I see is a matter of cost and accessibility. Um, I always take my dad for a good good example. He's, I say he's like 90% vegetarian, you know, mostly vegan, but it's what's convenient. So, you know, I'm here visiting Michigan uh, where I grew up and you go to the grocery store, not the health food store, just the regular grocery store. And there's not a lot of options of these products, you know, that I see when I go to my Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. And so um, I feel like most people aren't going to go out of their way to seek out a health food store or order specialty online. They are going to do what's easy, what's in front of them. And so if it's, impossible meat and it's around the same price point, they might try it. But if it's $3 more um, or they don't even have it at the store, not a good chance that the person's going to pick it up. So to get the majority of Americans trying these options, we need to make them more affordable and more um, convenient and accessible throughout the country, not just in the big cities. Absolutely. And uh, I personally have experienced going in to supermarkets in small towns and being pleasantly surprised by the amount of vegan cheeses, uh, plant-based milks, plant-based yogurts, plant-based ice creams, and uh, meat alternatives like vegan deli slices. Uh, But, you know, it's hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not as uh, ubiquitous, certainly, as um, animal products, meat and dairy products. And uh, what I find often is that these products sometimes run out, like they're sold out. And I always say to the manager, uh, this is sold out, but you never sell out of the dairy products and the meat products. I said, that means you need to order more. Mm-hmm. You know? So um, I almost never go to a supermarket without having a long conversation with the manager. <laughs> uh, I would urge everybody, you know, they, they do listen if you... Um, if you talk to them about the products you want. Okay, Paige, Los Angeles, your question or thought for Maggie? Hello, 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 good morning. I have this question that's burning in my mind about how do we get this content in front of the non-vegans, the folks out there that, you know, to, to support them in, in uh, potentially getting more plants on the plate. So that's number one. And number two, how do you see... Um, Veg Out Magazine and the and what you're doing, your whole uh, mission, um, breaking boundaries with uh, reaching more people. So, uh, reaching people outside of the vegan community. What are your thoughts on that? Thank you so much. Yeah, great questions. Um, thank you. So, the first question: How do we reach more non-vegans? Um, just you know, getting more plants on plates. And that's one thing that I always kind of reflect on and and ask myself, because when I go to a lot of events and conferences, it's all vegans, you know, kind of preaching to the choir, if you will. So 
that is definitely a challenge we face. But what I found in my personal bubble is that um, my friends who aren't vegan and my family who aren't vegan, the best way, and I've tried everything because I've been, I've been at this since I was 12 years old. So uh, vegetarian and vegan. And um, when I started off, I, I was very, you know, hostile, like PETA activist. And then I kind of transitioned to more soft activism and just um, showing them great products. Hey, like, have you tried this vegan cheese? Or if I go to like a Thanksgiving celebration, just bringing an appetizer of Miyoko's or one of these great products I love that tastes better or almost exactly the same as what they're used to. And they're always really impressed and that, you know, maybe they're not going to, maybe they're going to go back to what they're comfortable with the next day and not eat vegan right away, but it plants a seed. And then, you know, a couple weeks later I get a text. Oh, Hey, have you tried this product from Trader Joe's, you know, or I had an impossible burger at Burger King. So it's just planting those seeds and allowing people to come to it at their own pace, which can be frustrating because we see it as vegans. We see this is an immediate thing that needs to happen. But we have to understand that people have been eating this way, um, you know, since they were born. So we can't expect people to necessarily go vegan overnight, but we can encourage them to incorporate more plant-based foods um, in a gentle way and, and meet them where they are. So I think, and, and focus on, I should also say, focus on the low hanging fruit. So the people who have expressed maybe interest in eating more vegetarian or vegan, these are the people you should be having conversations with um, because there are some people who are stuck in their ways, but even so they might come around in time. It just takes, you know, planting a seed and then letting them come to you. Um, but yeah, I have some, I have some friends in Michigan here who told me they watched, uh, I think they watched some video, um, you know, animal rights video and they were like, wow, we can't support this. We want to go vegetarian at least. And so they've been, just on their own doing vegetarian meals. And I've been supporting them, sending them cookbooks in the mail and just little things to encourage them along the way and letting them know that, um, you know, I'm there to help them as they go. And then the second question, um, how is, you know, veg out going to break barriers and reach people outside the community? So when I started the company, that's something that I really wanted to focus on. I knew that I didn't want to be a small vegan media company in the vegan community for vegans. And so a lot of our audience actually are non-vegans um, who want to eat more plant-based food or care about sustainability, or they all have different reasons and whys. Uh, but that's really our main focus. Even though we do have amazing vegans who follow us, I love focusing on the omnivore crowd who's interested. Um, and we, we appeal to them by bringing in celebrities and mainstream, you know, vegan products and these transition foods, nothing too scary. Um, you know, we're very friendly and welcoming and open to everyone. So it's just a very inclusive environment. And that's really what I've created with Veg Out. And I hope to continue to expand um, on that content and growing the community beyond just vegans. Wow. Now, it's obviously a demographic issue. Younger people who don't watch as much television uh, are much more open to this idea. Social media is exploding with veganism. You have the Tabitha Browns of the world on TikTok, who's now a major star, who, by the way, just opened a restaurant in Encino, Kale My Name, I'm sure you're aware. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have a lot of people on social media talking veganism. Where do you see the divide? And I notice your Instagram page is extremely active and you have sort of subsets and 
L.A., New York, San Francisco, Chicago, and Kalamazoo, which I thought was fun. That's uh, my hometown. <laughs> oh, your yeah. hometown is Kalamazoo. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you're right. really a good judge because you are really like where you are from is where we want to go and get the message to. Mm-hmm. We don't want this to be a movement in Venice, California and Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. We want this to save everybody across. We want to improve the health of everybody. And obviously everybody's affected by the climate. So uh, where do you see uh, the demographic shift in terms of communicating to people via social media like Instagram versus digital versus print? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think being from Michigan and like having gone vegan here when there were like literally no vegan options at restaurants or stores and you go and say, I'm vegan and people have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I think that's given me really good perspective because moving to, you know, West Los Angeles, where I live now, it's easy to go to a restaurant or there's just, it's the capital of veganism in the, in the U S. So it's, it's cool coming back to Michigan and seeing how, you know, it's grown since now we have some restaurants that offer, we still don't have a fully vegan restaurant in my hometown, but there's more restaurants that offer options, more stores that carry products. Um, But it is interesting as far as the platform that people kind of the demographics and what they respond to. I do feel like the print magazine is more popular in smaller towns, um, whereas digital and social media is more popular in the bigger cities. Uh, So, yeah. So like when I come here and I give people my magazine in person, I feel like that really hits home with them and they'll put it on their coffee table and they might flip through it. Um, So there's just different ways to reach different people and different demographics. And we need to kind of cater to where they're at and take a look at different communities and and tailor our approach of activism or, you know, veg out um, and how we want to reach people based on who they are, where they live versus just like a one size fits all model. We are talking to Maggie Ortlieb of Veg Out Magazine, the founder and CEO. What an extraordinary job she does. So difficult. So many pieces of this puzzle. We've got Tom from Chicago. Your question or thought, Tom? Hi, Maggie. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this. My question is more about the fashion industry. There's still companies that sell fur today. There needs to be a worldwide ban on fur. I believe, Jane, if you can correct me, Los Angeles, California has a ban coming after 2023. This needs to take shape worldwide. Even non-vegans can understand the cruelty and and how nasty that industry is. Stop wearing fur. Stop buying exotic leather, things like that. Just reaching out to that aspect. Um, Again, thank you so much. I want to hear your answer. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. So, Maggie Ortlieb. Uh, founder, CEO of Veg Out Magazine, you also cover sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for the question, Tom. Um, we do cover sustainable fashion. And what's really cool to see is I feel like fur was super hot maybe 10, 15 years ago where it was a status thing. So if you had a fur coat, you were rich, you were famous, you were cool, you were popular. And now we're seeing the opposite, even outside the vegan community. If you wear real fur, people shame you for it. Like it's not a status thing. Um, And they make so many, so many companies out there. uh, I always forget how to say Aparis, I think is how you say it, but they make vegan fur coats and they look amazing. They do like every color of the rainbow. And so there are these companies out there that are sustainable, that are cruelty-free vegan fur coats. 
um, that we see more and more celebrities and just everyday people wearing. And I feel like it's these companies are at the forefront of the chain. Um, and we are seeing more and more bands. There still is, you know, a market for fur and it's unfortunate, but at least I feel like it has gotten smaller. And I think the, um, the popularity and the cool aspect around it has decreased as well. And so just continuing to hopefully have people of influence wear more of these non-leather, um, you know, faux leather, faux fur options and designers picking up, stylists picking up on that is going to continue to help that movement. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, the, the new electric vehicles, a lot of them are completely leather free. Obviously, Tesla's famous for its vegan leather. Um, other, some other uh, EV brands are coming out with vegan leather. And then there's pineapple leather, mushroom leather, all sorts of new products coming on the market. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio. We're going to stay on Facebook and we'll be back in a second. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. <laughs> Hello. We are talking to the one and only Maggie Ortlieb founder, CEO of the Extraordinary Veg Out magazine, which is just growing like vegan hotcakes all over the place. 
Um, what is your process? Uh, you have a background in marketing. You uh, came from Michigan, Kalamazoo, and now you've taken the vegan space by storm in the media. What is your process that allows you to do these photo shoots with major celebrities who have gone vegan? Uh, show us the latest products, uh, the hottest vegan restaurants coast to coast. Not only run a physical magazine, but a digital magazine, as well as being very active on Instagram. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess we'll start start way back in my childhood. I was always a creative kid, but I never I never knew what the term entre- entrepreneur meant. I never knew any business owners. So, you know, coming from the Midwest, it was go to school, get good grades, get into a good college, choose a major that'll make you money, you know, get a corporate job. So I was going, I was on that route, but I always had that like burning passion to create bigger change in the world. Um, And I had gone vegan when I was 20, vegetarian when I was 12 years old. So that was always part of my life, but I felt like it had to be a separate part of my life. I didn't think I could kind of marry everything and have my job also be my passion. And I didn't think that was really possible. And so it was interesting because I went to Michigan State University, studied advertising. I picked a major that I knew I'd be good at, knew I could graduate early on time, um, but it was also enjoyable. So it was very like Mad Men style where I was copywriting and producing um, ads for like companies. At the time they were just like mock ads. But then I did some, when I moved out to Los Angeles, I did some like agency work where I was creating these like ad campaigns for big companies. Um, And so, yeah, I moved out to Los Angeles a year after I graduated college. I worked for a nonprofit for a year doing AmeriCorps between uh, which was a really good experience. I was in um, I was in elementary schools working with kids, doing almost social services, and that's when I really saw how horrible the food system is because what we're serving kids in schools is just garbage. And so I, I knew that was another thing that clicked in my head. It was like I need to do something about this, but I feel so helpless. Then I moved to Los Angeles, worked a variety of jobs, uh, trying to get into advertising. So. I did these classes, was doing some ad campaigns for big companies, but I felt the conflict of, okay, I'm promoting some products that I don't believe in. Um, How can I make this ethical? And then I accepted a job at an accounting firm. I was doing more marketing for the accounting firm. It was a great job, great company, loved the people I worked with, but I was, you know, something was missing. So that's when I started Veg Out. Um, And I was able to, I think through all those experiences, able to bring in my marketing background and that experience into the vegan movement and approach it in a way that wasn't just, um, you know, this is something I'm passionate about. This is the veganism. And, and, you know, it wasn't just a blog. I could really put in my marketing experience and my business experience and my creative experience into something that would be a sustainable company. Um, And so I feel like all of those experiences, even my job at the front desk of a hotel in Santa Monica when I first moved to Los Angeles played into the company I have now. And so those things have all allowed me um, to create what I've created. And um, I've always just been the kind of person who just, you know, doesn't think of obstacles as obstacles. I'm like, someone tells me no, I say, okay, um, I'll figure out another way to do it. And so, you know, I'm like, why don't I just uh, reach out to the celebrity? Worst they can say is no, or they won't respond, you know? And if they say yes, then we have a photo shoot. So that's kind of how I do things. And then 
I figure out the details later. So instead of planning something, we need this, we need that, we need that, this has to be perfect. I just hit the ground running. I start and then something doesn't work. We throw something else in. No one's going to know what you left out. You know, it's, you just keep going. And I feel like media, as you know, is so fast paced. You just don't have time to sit around and, and talk about something that, um, you know, didn't go right. You just have to keep going and keep, um, keep doing things and and eventually something will stick. (laughs) So, yeah. How do you handle the advertising aspect? Because that in itself is very overwhelming. You've got the photo shoots, you've got the digital, you've got the print magazine, you've got the Instagram, and you have to also fund all this by getting advertisers and hypothetically make a profit. Yeah, that is the hardest part. And that is something that didn't come um, early on in the company. We really didn't make a profit or make any money uh, for like years. So I think that's something that people who want to build a media company or um, even, you know, a blog or whatnot, they just think, okay, we can get or a podcast. We can just get advertisers. We have a good idea. It doesn't really work like that. Um, People want you to have an audience before they'll pay you to promote their product. And so when you start a media company, you have zero audience and you have to grow that audience, grow trust with them. And then eventually people will pay you to promote their products uh, because you have that trust with an audience. So for years, it was just building an audience, making no money, working, you know, 80 hours a week or whatever for free um, with hopes that this would turn into something and just that like passion for what I was doing. And so, yeah, I think three years in, we sold an Instagram post for like $500. And that's when I was like, okay, got to quit my full-time job. This is going to be something. Um, And then really just focusing on getting brand partners who are aligned. Um, And it's just, it gets easier and easier as you grow because in the beginning, you're kind of just taking money from not whoever, but okay, like this person wants to work with us. Okay. Like we need the money. But then as you grow, you can be more selective and really just choose partners that align with your vision. Um, And it just gets better and better as you grow. But it's one of those things that you're not selling a physical product in the beginning, you're growing an audience. So it is kind of like the chicken and the egg. Like you need money to be sustainable, but no one's going to pay you money until you are sustainable. So, yeah. Wow. That's extraordinary. Uh, And give us a sense of your staff. How big, if you look at newsrooms, there's hundreds of people running around. I often have the uh, funny uh, experience where people say, have your people call my people. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what people? You know, <laughs> we have a very, very, very slim uh, group of people that run our nonprofit news operation, Unchained TV. But what about you? Yeah, we're, we're in the same boat. We're still small. We have 12 people, um, but not everyone's, you know, full time. We have some, um, some people across the country who help with the different social media pages. And then we have our design team and our writing team um, and our sales team, but super, you know, super small, but I, I like that. I think there's a lot of pros of having a small team because um, we can do things quickly and we can make decisions quickly because I'm still very involved. Uh, We can just do a lot more, um, at a faster pace than I think sometimes bigger companies, you know, they have to get approvals and they have to do, and yes, I do want to grow and have 
a bigger staff and reach more people. But I made the decision to start my company self-funded, not take on investors. And um, that was just kind of the decision I made and how I wanted to grow the company. Um, so it is a struggle at times because we don't have all the the huge marketing team and the huge budget and all of that. But I think there are a lot of uh, good things about it as well. What advice would you give to people who want to use their skills to help uh, animals, people on the planet, to encourage people to go plant-based? Um, obviously, people are going plant-based in droves. You mentioned going um, mostly plant-based, which is a huge trend that I see. Mm-hmm. I see there's even uh, sites where they can check off mostly plant-based, which is sort of like a new category, right? Mm-hmm. When you're on a social media site, um, what should people do? Uh, what advice would you give people who are looking at this saying, hey, I'm plant-based, I'm vegan, I want to get more involved, uh, I have XYZ skill, how do they apply it? Yeah, so I would say take a look at your day-to-day life and the people around you and where is there a need? So look at what do people ask you as a vegan? Um, What are their most common questions? What are their struggles? Um, You need to find a need that people, you know, people, every great company starts by solving a problem, right? And so um, there's some, there's a gap that needs to be filled there. So take a look around you. What's the most common question you get asked as far as veganism goes, and then make a list. And then also take a look at what are your strengths? What are you good at? It doesn't have to be, you know, what, you know, what job you do, but it's like, what are your actual strengths? Maybe you're a good communicator. Maybe you're a good artist. Maybe you're a good recipe developer, whatever it may be, write that down and then figure out how you can marry the two. So for me, a media company was kind of a natural fit because my background was in creative and um, communications and advertising. Uh, So I feel like the company wouldn't have been successful if I tried to start a vegan coaching business or something completely different from what I'm good at. Yes. Um, And so I think the most successful and the best way that people can use their gifts is if they really take a look at what they're good at and what people need and try to combine those two things. What's the future for Veg Out Magazine? Where do you see it going and growing? Yeah. So we're going to continue to boost our distribution um, over the next, next year and continue to just grow, uh, get in more stores, um, put out more content, and then also eventually, hopefully expand into other countries as well. We're currently US-based, uh, but I'd love to enter other markets as well. And maybe other languages. Wow, that yeah. now that's a huge undertaking. Yes. Yeah, we had, we've had requests for Spanish, so that might be on the radar as well, yeah. Yeah, Veg Out Magazine in Espanol. I love <laughs> it. So um, what? how do you deal with challenges when things uh, don't go exactly how you want or it turns out that something that you wanted to do is a lot harder? Uh, for example, you mentioned the advertising. I mean, it's amazing that you powered through without really having advertisers uh, and then you started to get some. But what are some of the other big challenges that you face with Veg Out Magazine? Yeah, I, th- I think having a small team can be challenging as far as meeting deadlines for print or just keeping everyone on track to meet deadlines when they have so many other things they're working on. 
because um, we're putting out a print magazine every quarter and we're putting out content every day. And there's just a lot for not very many people to do. Um, so it's just, we all have a lot of on, on our plate and it can be challenging at times to stay on track. Um, I always come back to our mission and why we started. And I feel like that always helps me continue through um, looking at the bigger picture instead of getting stuck in the day to day. Cause it gets discouraging sometimes when I'm like, okay, we're not where we are or where I want us to be. Um, but then just like reminding myself, okay, we're making an impact, we're making a change. And then um, when things don't go as planned, like for example, the our wellness issue, which is coming out um, next month because of the holidays and some other factors, it was delayed a little bit getting to newsstands. Um, I get really frustrated at first, but then I have to just remember it's out of my control. Um, what can I do next time to prevent this? And we just continue issue to issue, con- you know, uh, article to article, we just continue to improve our process and tweak it to avoid some of these things. Um, so we're never going to, you can plan out as well as you want, but you're never going to avoid uh, wrenches being thrown in your plan. There's always going to be something that comes up. It's how you respond to that and what you can do to reduce that next time is is what you have to focus on. What are some of your favorite issues? Um, of the magazine? Yeah. Well, the DeAndre one is hands down my favorite. I love that issue. I feel like the the shoot was just so fun and his team was amazing. And it was just like a cool, the retro for the holidays. We did something a little different versus just the typical, you know, Christmas colors or something like that. So that's my favorite issue so far. And actually it's funny because I feel like every single issue I say that. So it's like every one I like more and more. So, yeah. How'd you get Daniela Monet? Um, she, oh, so we, we did that shoot when we were just an LA based magazine. Um, and we reached out to her team. I think we were in contact for maybe an article or something. They'd reached out to us. And then I was like, oh, by the way, like, would she be interested in the shoot as well? So sometimes it happens that way. Like we'll have PR people reach out to us and then I just pitched the cover. Um, so yeah, she was perfect for LA cause she's based in LA and it was just a good fit. So what are some of the other uh, vegan celebrities you've profiled on your cover? Um, So those are the only two celebrities we've done on the cover. It's interesting because Daniela was the only one when we were an L.A. based magazine. And then DeAndre has been the only one since we were nationwide based uh, magazine. And I wanted to see as far as the data, when I get the data, are people buying it more when we have a person on the cover? Are they buying it more when we have food on the cover? What's selling better and what's resonating with people? So um, that's going to influence kind of what we do in the future. But the plan is to do like every other issue will be a person and then food, because when you go to Barnes and Noble, we're in the um, we're in the food category. But it's funny because the Barnes and Noble in Los Angeles at the Grove had us in the men's interest category because we had DeAndre on the cover. So (laughs) so we're we're categorized as a food magazine, but we do alternate food person, you know, food person. So, so you, again, you can really get a view, a bird's eye view of uh, the vegan movement that maybe nobody else has because you are literally seeing all the products and you're getting pitched and you also know all the people, celebrities and sports figures who are going vegan, which is happening in droves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about the tipping point. Uh, some people say we're hitting the tipping point. Some people say we're not close. Where do you see it? Where 
I would say the tipping point is that ultimately you would go into a restaurant and you'd have a flip where everything is mostly plant-based and there would be the outlier would be the meat and the dairy products. Obviously, we're not there yet, uh, coast to coast with restaurants. But where are we on that journey? And is that even what we should be looking at as a marker? Yeah, I think we're getting close to the tipping point in some of the big cities. So I think Los Angeles, New York, you go into most places, they have a vegan menu or they have vegan options. Um, now that's not everywhere in big cities, but I, I do, you know, we saw blue bottle coffee. Now oat milk is the default. We see some coffee shops doing oat milk or non-dairy milk as the default. And then you have to ask if you want regular milk. So by, by coffee shops and restaurants doing that and kind of flipping um, what we're used to, that gives me hope. But then when I go to smaller cities or other places where veganism isn't as popular, um, I'm always shocked that there's literally nothing I can order on the menu. And so we still have a long way to go. Um, we have a long way to go, but I, I mean, it's, it's grown in the last 10, 10 years since I first went vegan, even the last year, I feel like this past, since the pandemic, it's just grown so much. And so I think it's going to be exponential. It's just, we're not quite there yet, but I think the big cities setting the example for the rest of the country is going to be um, pivotal in, in making the change, because if we can even, even pass laws, but that would be amazing. But if we can just have our restaurants and our grocery stores be vegan friendly, mostly vegan or vegan as the norm, um, we can set an example for the rest of the country. I feel like that's always how it is, as you see LA, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, wherever, make a change. And then it's like a slow to follow throughout the rest of the country. Um, but like I said, Kalamazoo, where I'm at now visiting family, even since I moved to LA and I come back to visit, there's more and more um, change that I've seen. In terms of vegan product availability. Yes. Yep. Yep. And hopefully acceptance, normalization. Yes. yes. Uh, and I think, I think that's, sorry to cut you off, but I think that's, uh, that's something that I've noticed as well. When I first would say I'm vegan, I didn't even like using the word vegan. I would just say uh, no dairy, no eggs. Now I can walk into pretty much anywhere and say vegan. They at least know what I'm talking about. Even if they don't have options, they say, oh no, this has, you know, dairy and eggs in it. So I think people just understanding the term, we've come a long way. Absolutely. We are talking to Maggie Ortlieb, the founder and CEO of Veg Out Magazine, an extraordinary magazine. Uh, please subscribe. And uh, the... Link to subscribe is right in the intro to this video. So uh, I can tell you that it's a very, very entertaining magazine. And um, I want to get a sense. We only have a couple of minutes. What's next? What's the next uh, cover? What's the next focus? Yeah. So the next issue we're working on, well, we have our wellness issue coming out in January. Um, so that'll be all things wellness from food to mental health to you name it, um, everything vegan. But then our next issue after that, which I'm super excited about is our travel issue, which I know things are getting, you know, weird with the pandemic still. But I think at this point, even if people aren't traveling, they want to 
pretend they're traveling and they want to look at other cities. And so, so um, plan to travel. Um, and so we are exploring the best of the best um, vegan destinations um, in the U.S., in Mexico, in some other countries. Um, and so that's one I'm super excited about. We're looking at airlines, so vegan friendly airlines, um, which is cool. We see more and more airlines adding options um, and just everything travel related. So that'll be that one. And then the one after that, we're doing our awards issue, which is super popular. That's our best-selling issue, which um, it's, we do an annual awards every year where people vote for their favorite restaurants and products. Um, and so that one is coming out in the summer. So it'll be, it's pretty cool because we used to do the LA awards and now it's nationwide. So people vote for their best bakery, best burger, you name it across the country. That is fantastic. And this is a global movement. Uh, somebody told me that there's 80, at least 80 vegan restaurants in Mexico City alone. And yeah. uh, that was just a wonderful surprise to me. I just hadn't thought about it. Uh, I know London and Berlin are huge centers of veganism. Um, in terms of this being a global movement, and I know you're new, I know you're America based right now, but you are in the process of growing. Uh, how important is it to have a global perspective? Yeah, so, I mean, so important. I think even having a national perspective, I think sometimes we get so caught up in our bubble of living in LA that we forget what the rest of the country lives like or, you know, wherever you live, that could be said for wherever you live. Um, same thing goes uh, with a global perspective. When I was at Plant-Based World in New York, I met vegans and vegan companies from around the world. And that really opened up my mind is like, this isn't just America. Yes, we are catering to our readers who are mostly US based, but there's cool products coming out all over the world. There's restaurants popping up all over the world in places. Like you said, when I was in Mexico City a few years ago, there was a whole vegan mini mall of restaurants that I went to in Mexico City. I had no idea that it, there was a movement there, you know, and it's so it is it's in every city around the world. Um, and it's really cool to see. And it's really important to remember that it's not just LA and it's not just the US, that it's everywhere. Um, and that we can we can really make a change if we work together. And uh, the availability of products, where do you see the greatest growth in products? I know a lot of people are focused on the vegan chicken because obviously yeah. the most animals killed are chickens. Um, what about that? Yeah. Vegan chicken and vegan seafood are like, I think when Seaspiracy came out, vegan seafood just like skyrocketed. Um, so those two products are like the hottest right now. Um, and vegan chicken, it's becoming like available because we saw the impossible beyond me as far as burgers go. Those were pretty widely available the last few years. Now chicken's really the next, um, impossible beyond both have their chicken products out They're distributed restaurants across the country stores across the country. And then all these other smaller brands um, are also launching chicken products that are available in a variety of, you know, local and national retailers as well. So, well, I just want to say thank you, Maggie. I know you are very busy. Maggie Ortlieb, CEO and founder of Veg Out Magazine. So thrilled to have you here on Unchained TV. Keep doing what you're doing. You are extraordinary. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. See you next time.
Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 